Voices serves as the megaphone for individuals who have endured transformational change. By highlighting trials and triumphs, our desire is to create a safe space for pivotal conversations, which in turn will deepen the story and provoke hope for you, our listeners. As you may know, change is never easy, but it is inevitable. You are not alone in what you're facing. Your transformation is possible, purposeful, and now. And here's Aaron Wiggum, founder and managing director of New You, with this week's guest. Welcome to New Voices. We are so excited to have a wonderful guest with us today. He is a financial advisor. He is the senior vice president of Inspire Financial Group. He is a husband. He is a father. He is a friend. He's an amazing man doing amazing things. And he's actually up for a TED Talk soon, a TEDx Talk soon. We bring to you none other than the amazing Mikey Mangum. Mikey, welcome to New Voices. Man, it's an honor to be here, and I need you to come everywhere with me and make that introduction, because that was wonderful. I loved hearing it. It's oh, nice being over here. You got chills, huh? <laughs> That's right. Very good. Very good. We're going to start off with some very simple conversation. Okay. I We met a few uh, months ago, mm-hmm. almost a year ago now. Yeah. And, of course, at the the amazing Antoinette's uh, over some, uh, some pastries and some tea, and... We had a wonderful conversation, a wonderful dialogue, which sparked a friendship. And what I'm so intrigued about um, is your story, mm. right? Uh, you shared some things, and I want you to share with our, our audience here. Uh, tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. You want, you want me to go all the way back? You can go all, all the, the way, way back. back. Take, okay. us, take us across the water. Well, as, a, as the audience is probably aware of by now, I don't have an Oklahoma accent. I was, I was raised in the UK, so my dad was a professional athlete. He was playing basketball in Scotland. Mm-hmm. He met my mom there. I was born in Scotland, raised in England. And growing up with a professional athlete as a father, you try to emulate you know, what you see. Um, so I grew up playing basketball. I had a basketball in my hand from the time I can remember. Uh, had a lot of cool opportunities representing my country at the U16, U17, U18 level. And then came over to the United States to play basketball at Oral Roberts University back in 2009. Mm. Ended up studying finance, did grad school, really thought I'd be on the first flight out of Tulsa back to Europe, but it didn't pan out that way. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) here I am today in person in Tulsa. So that's the quick overview. So now that we can dive into any piece of that that you want, but I know there was a lot of different things that we connected on that first coffee. So for sure. Yeah. And, and so you have a degree in undergrad in finance, undergrad finance, and then a master's in business administration. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, my undergrads in finance as well. So we brothers nice. there as well. Nice. Um, so I, what I'm interested in is, you know, you have this father who's a professional athlete. You're emulating him throughout mm-hmm. your life, right? At what point did you have to start to become Mikey and Oof. not Mikey's father? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that is such a good question. You know, I think being Terry's son mm-hmm. definitely was something that was there and was present, which I was proud of. Like, I'm not going to knock that whatsoever, but obviously that's about growing into my identity. I think when that really first started happening in me was when I decided not to play my redshirt senior year of basketball at Oral Roberts. Mm. It actually caused a little bit of falling out with me and my dad because he thought I should stick around, take advantage of the scholarship. Mm-hmm. But I just, I felt like 
basketball, at least in that season, was done. Mm. But right after that, I'm like, who am I? Like, if I'm not Mikey, the basketball player, yeah. right, going to be a professional athlete, what's next for me? My dad didn't have to figure the answer to that question out until he was in his 40s. Wow. He played semi-professionally until he was 40-something. So me at 22 years old, I was I was confused. And that's really where that, that journey started. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I should also say my mom was a teacher my whole life. So also my grades, getting straight A's, nothing less than a B, that was also part of my identity too. Right. So around that same time, I'm done with school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no tests left to take. There's no basketball games left to play. Right. So 22, 23 years old, I think is really when I awoke to the idea of I got to figure out who I want to be now. Mm. It reminds me of uh, the, the movie The Lion King mm. when you know, uh, Mufasa had had died, right? Yeah. And uh, Simba got word that Pride Rock was under attack and, you know, it wasn't <laughs> what he thought it was going to be. And I remember a particular moment in the movie where Rafiki the baboon uh, told him to look into the water. And he looked and he said, I don't see anything. And he told him, which I thought was so powerful, he said, look harder. Mm. And when he looked in the water again, he saw his dad, but better yet, he saw a king. And sometimes like when you look more deeply within yourself, you'll see something that you never saw before, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you, you know, what I kind of deduced from what you just shared is that, you know, originally <clears throat> being like your dad was the easy part because you had a model to go mm. after. But but the hard part is looking within you Whew. to see what you didn't see, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. And that's kind of who you, the path that you're you're blazing right now right. for your your children. Absolutely, and I think <clears throat> to keep in mind that I don't want to put the pressure on them that they have to be me. Right, or anything, you know, there's certain characteristics that I would like for them to emulate. But right, trying to educate them at an early age of what is your path, what is your lane. It doesn't have to be basketball. It doesn't have to be finance. Um, but what's so interesting is, you know, I, I was listening to something the other day, and the guy was talking about how the question of Am I worthy? Mm. Am I valuable? Mm-hmm. Is is kind of a trauma informed question to be asking ourselves, mm. right? And we we can go down a whole rabbit trail yes. of why that is, but that there are things that happen through our life that call that into question. Mm. It's not that who we are changes or our inherent value changes at any point during our life. It's just that we have these experiences maybe put on us or maybe, you know, self-inflicted at times where we start to ask that question. So identifying what am I bringing to the table? What what are my strengths? What value do I have? How do I want to impact my community, my world? Mm-hmm. Those are the questions that need to be asked if we're really going to step into whoever could be in that reflection, as you say. You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that that's, I think that's, that's amazing. Um, so you, you come through ORU, right? And, um, you now have a basketball career mm-hmm. that you go into. Tell us a little bit about, about that time. Man, my time at ORU was fantastic. I will say it was a culture shock. Okay. Growing up in the UK, coming over, going to private Christian school yeah. with the rules and the regulations. Honestly, I think it's exactly what 18-year-old Mikey needed, needed? at okay. the time. <laughs> but there was definitely parts of it that I wanted to, to push against. But it's kind of an interesting story because I came in not as a full-ride scholarship athlete. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I am... Um, had some academic scholarship, which was great, 
but that first year on the team, I was I was just a walk on, mm. a preferred walk on is what they called it. But I, I mean, I didn't I didn't have any basketball money, right? Uh, so I was pretty determined to change that within mm. my first year or two of being there, mm-hmm. and um, had some opportunities with guys that got injured to step up and play a little bit. So I ended up giving up that first year of eligibility by playing the last part of the season, mm. and through that process, and you know, just putting the work in and stepping up coaches were they pulled me aside after that first season and said hey we appreciate what you did for the team you lost a year a year of eligibility doing that we're going to give that back to you next year and then all the rest of your time here at OIU you're going to be a full ride athlete wonderful wow so that was i mean an incredible journey i'm bypassing all the extra hours in the gym mm-hmm. and the running and the trying to put on weight right, right. cuz i got there at like 62 172 and they're like we need you 195 by the end of this year so, oh boy <laughs> yeah that's, that's I was, not the problem i had yeah. <laughs> my problem the other way <laughs> yeah i was full my whole freshman year it felt okay. like so um but then going through that journey of being a scholarship athlete fighting for time fighting for a starting position it was it was incredible an incredible journey i battled a lot of injuries but doesn't take away from traveling playing the sport i loved with some guys that i loved mm-hmm. And, and getting to play on some of the biggest stages. I mean, growing up as a kid in the UK, yeah. watching these Hall of Fame coaches mm-hmm. coach at places like Gonzaga yep. and West Virginia and Texas Tech and then stepping onto those courts mm-hmm. and playing basketball, surreal. So grateful for my time there. And and in the classroom, I had some incredible professors and educators and, and mentors. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a four or five year journey, mm-hmm. but highlights all throughout. One more question right right in that space. It, yeah. Anybody you played against that kind of had you a little awestruck or, or maybe a little nervous, we'll say? Going going and playing at Louisville. Okay. Man. Is Rick Patino. But Patino, yeah. Rick yeah. Patino's on the mm-hmm. sideline. They're ranked. I so here's the thing. I was awestruck and nervous, and that was my red shirt. I was I knew I wasn't getting in the game. Right. It was so loud in that arena. Mm. <laughs> And they hounded us the whole game. Mm-hmm. I was nervous more because I knew what practice was going to look like for the, the week after day. that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I I didn't play in the game, but I didn't get to skip practice either. Right. They filmed a Papa John's commercial at halftime during that game. Some fan hit a half court shot. The crowd went nuts in the middle of us getting chewed out <laughs> in the locker room. Wow. So, but the game that I played in that I was probably most nervous was when we went and played uh, at Gonzaga. Okay. That was that was pretty pretty rattling okay yeah yeah wow wonderful so part of what new you does is we help people through pivots Mm. right uh and even to pivot we'll say yeah and so what i would like for you to do is just share with us a little bit of a time where you had to pivot yeah and what did that look like what were some of the ways you felt in those moments um, and then what, what would you what would you say got you over the hump? Mm. Man, I think the process of transitioning from my previous work experience into what I'm doing now mm-hmm. as a financial advisor, that was a a season of pivots mm-hmm. in my life for probably a, a year and a half long stretch. I think the first one was realizing that I wasn't satisfied with the work I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm and pivoting to be in an industry that I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. We spoke about having finance degrees. I knew in college I wanted to be in that industry, graduated and didn't find a spot right away. So I just, I did other things right. for a while. But having that moment of realizing, no, this is what you really feel 
aligns with your purpose and your calling, mm -hmm. it's time to make a switch. You got to have some difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. You got to risk and kind of bet on yourself a little bit. You're going to give up a full-time W-2 income to yeah. make this happen. Let's talk about that. Okay. So betting on yourself yeah. and giving up the safety net of W-2. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So it sounds good. <laughs> I mean, it, looking back, like it sounds crazy. It's the best thing I've ever done. Yes. And, I, and I wouldn't trade it. But people ask me sometimes, would you do it all over again? I said, I, I really would rather not start that whole process again. Right. Um, but I think, Aaron, when you are so resolute on the purpose you have, and what you're being called to, mm -hmm. and you understand that the the driving forces and the internal motivators are aligned with yeah. what that career path offers, yeah. And you just go with it. Mm. You just run. Mm. And I and I knew, but hit so in in doing that though, I knew there couldn't be this idea of I need an out just in case this doesn't work. Right. No safety net. I, I had to, I told myself and I told my wife. I'm going to give this at least 36 months mm. and I'm going to burn the ships, mm. which means I'm, I'm, I'm going to have no recourse. Right. I'm just going to go all the way in, two feet in, head first, however you want to refer to that. And I'm going to give it time to develop. Now, the reason I said 36 months is, is only because I was married right, right, <laughs> and I yeah. felt like she deserved a sense of security. Right? Yes. I was like, hey, if I'm really struggling after 36 months, I'll, I'll do something to help provide a little bit better. But I think if it wasn't for her, I would have, I would have just been pigheaded, determined until I made it work. Yeah. But I think it was because I knew there was an alignment with the type of life I wanted to have, mm -hmm. the fulfillment in my career that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And the service I wanted to provide to my community, it all aligned in in the opportunity to step out and start my own financial planning practice in partnership with with Inspire. But yeah, yeah I think it's definitely a a step that is nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. But once you've done it, it's like you've already taken the first step. So the momentum yeah. carries you to two and three and four. That's the hardest thing is just taking that first step to yeah. make the transition. Yeah. So. That's a perfect segue to uh, Mangum, Mangum Consulting yeah, um, and how you've been able to uh, form this partnership or agreement with Inspire. Yeah. And uh, can you talk a little bit about the inner workings of that? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ma Mangum Consulting honestly started as just a little bit of a passion project okay. on the side. Like in addition to helping people with their finances, I had an opportunity uh, through another consulting firm to go and speak to um, students that were at a junior college, a predominantly black institution, mm -hmm. and they wanted someone that looked like them right. to go and talk about being successful in college and being successful post-college. Mm -hmm. um, and in an environment where a lot of people felt like their out was sports or music, mm -hmm. letting people know there's other paths. You can learn things from your sporting and your musical experiences, but here's how it applies to the real world. And it was one event that I got sent on by this consulting company. And I said, I really like that. Mm. I really like empowering people, sharing my knowledge, showing these kids there's, there's other ways to right. make a career and a life. I said, hey, next one, sign me up, I'm in. And they kept doing it and mm. kept doing it. And so ultimately from just kind of a, <laughs> a smart financial standpoint, I created the LLC to receive those monies and have my write-offs and all that kind of stuff. And Ultimately, now it's grown to the point where my compliance team at the financial firm needs to know where the lines separate. So that's why you see more of the delineation from Mangum Consulting. But I truly felt as though my purpose is 
developing leaders that develop leaders. Mm. I get to do that in one capacity through the financial lane, but I didn't want to limit myself to just that because right. I didn't feel it was all encompassing of all the things I want to give back right. to the people I get to work with. So that's that's how that came about and it's just continued to grow. I've just taken the next step in both of those lanes every time. So do you feel as though you have defined success for your own life? And if so, what was that moment where you where you said, this is this is who I am. This mm. is what I want to do. And I know you've been talking about your purpose aligning with yeah. your work, right? right. Um, what was that moment where you you kind of came to that reckoning? If you do define, yeah, have defined yeah. your success. I think I think a way I knew mm-hmm. that I was defining success for myself is I wasn't looking left and right anymore. Ah, I wasn't good. concerned with what success looked like for Aaron for someone or else. for anyone else, yes. right? It's like I I know this is what success looks like for me. And I can't take credit for getting to that point. It was actually an exercise that the president of our firm walked us through. Mm. We talk about people being successful in five main areas of life, Mm -hmm. relationships with family and friends, career or purpose, hopefully end purpose if you're one of those lucky people, personal finances, physical well-being and health, and then emotional and spiritual Mm well-being. And so what we do, what we did was an exercise where we fast forwarded into the future. He asked kind of a crazy question. He said, what age are you going to die? Right. And it's mm-hmm. not that we were predicting it, but right. most people have a number pop in their head. Yeah. And for me, it was 87, mm. right? Kind of random. But then he asked this follow-up question that was at 87, what has to be true in each one of those areas for you to say with confidence, I ran my race well. Wow. I lived... A life and a legacy I'm proud of. I'm leaving something great for the next generation. And Mm. I had to sit there and articulate what that looks like relationally, Mm. professionally, in finances, my my, all of that, right? Once I was able to put some verbiage to that, Mm -hmm. now I had a blueprint for long-term success. And and really all I'm doing on a daily and weekly basis is- Living out what you- That's it. Building habits and putting things in place and prioritizing things on my calendar so that that life reality, reality is is just a natural progression of these things I'm doing on a daily basis. Wow. Once I had that framework, I felt like I could confidently say I've defined success. Wow, that's yeah. powerful. So in this vein of financial freedom and whatnot that you're you're mm-hmm. you're giving to it or you are allowing people to experience, uh tell us a, what is a tidbit you'll give some you would give us about around I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the whole thing again. So in the vein of financial freedom that mm-hmm. you are uh, sharing with individuals, what would you say uh, is, a, is a quick tidbit you would give individuals for their own financial freedom? That's so good. Where I encourage so many people to start mm-hmm. is by understanding their current financial narrative. Okay. If you look at, I mean, therapy is a kind of a it has grown. It's a very popular thing. We talk about it a lot more freely now than we did 10, 20 years ago. Absolutely. But when you start in therapy, they always have you tell your story yes. to this point, right? Mm-hmm. Before we go about fixing whatever issue you're here for or whatever it might be, it's like tell the story to this point so we, we can identify the foundation mm-hmm. and where there may need to be some repair. Right. Not that it's broken beyond repair, but where can we add to it, heal it, so that it can be stronger moving forward? Yeah. So what I see so so often is people say, I'm here financially, I want to be there. What are the practical, tactical steps that I need to take? But the reality is you need to figure out what is your financial narrative? What is your mindset around money? Because if you're trying to create 
an abundant financial vision and you're chasing abundance and wealth goals with a scarcity mindset with a scarcity yeah. and poverty mindset you're just going to self sabotage yes so how was money spoken about growing up mm -hmm. was it spoken about right um your first experience maybe starting a business or stepping out in a career or maybe you went through a separation or a divorce and it caused financial devastation like all of those things mm -hmm. factor into what we tell ourselves about money so we need to identify where we're at right now because there may be some mindset things that need to be repaired right. in order for you to be able to go chase these financial goals and dreams that you have. But very few people start there. Yeah. We get straight into how much do I need to save? Right. Do I need a Roth IRA? Should I put money in a brokerage? Hey, all that stuff's great. Right. But once you know your narrative and you have a purpose for your money, let that other stuff fall into place. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Basically what you're saying is those are tools, those are vehicles. Yeah. But first, you need to learn how to drive. That's right. Right. That's so it. let's get you your license. Yeah. And then once we get <laughs> you your so license, good. you can use these vehicles to take you where you need yes, to go. Yes, that's I love perfect. That. I love that. Um, how did you or how do you hold on to hope? Hmm. You went through some pivotal things. Mm -hmm. You talked about your, your basketball career, pivoting from basketball into finance and some other things in the middle, right? and then finding your purpose. How, how did you find yourself holding on to hope? Man, that's a that's a really tough one. I think having hope truly is just a part of who I am because of my faith mm -hmm. and what I believe, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know greater things are ahead. Yeah, I know my life is serving a purpose in the grand scheme of things. Like I truly believe like that this is a, this is not a meaningless existence that yes. I have. So it's it's easy to have hope when you have that type of belief system in general. But one thing I do know is I believe if you have a clear vision and you have an avenue and a plan on how to accomplish that vision, it is only natural that you would face resistance mm -hmm. because not only is it developing perseverance in you, mm -hmm. which is required to be successful at, at each new level, right? It takes a level of perseverance. But what I've learned too in the financial, and I had a very, very tough first couple of years in the business. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why is this happening? I, I had I had my Moses in the burning bush moment. Yeah, like I knew yeah. I was supposed to do this. And yeah. my, you know, I had I watched a TED talk that helped me figure out I wanted to be in the finance industry. It's like, why is all this happening? What I've learned now at this point is my story helps someone else. That's it. So I can always have hope because I know this is this is either me stepping into a new level of success or it's a learning opportunity or it's a hardening or it's creating perseverance in me so that I can help the next person navigate something difficult too. Mm. So I, I I guess in a way that's how I I hold on to hope because I don't I don't see the negative mm -hmm. as negative. I don't see the failure as a setback. I just right. see it as part of the journey of my progression. That's good. Very good. Okay, so how can folks follow you? Do you have, what activities do you have coming up? Yeah. Um, what, how do you want people to, 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 to find you? Yeah. Talk a little so bit. So everything on social media, at Mangum Consulting. Okay. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I have probably some of the bigger things coming up is I have a TEDx talk. Woo, March 30th right. right here at the Un University of Tulsa. Beyond that, we'll say I'm hoping that opens a lot more doors. Uh, many of the other things I have going on right now are kind of private contracts, keynote engagements. Um, I'm working with um, a couple different leadership teams. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I don't know how free I am to to mention who those teams are, but a couple here in Oklahoma, okay. one in kind of uh, California, San Francisco area, okay. and a few others that we're in talks with right now. But uh, yeah, just some of those opportunities to get out, speak, work with teams, help build culture. You can always come see me. See me at my office, Fifty okay. First Street in Tulsa, between Yale and Harvard. So there you go. It's All right, financial group. That's it. What is the time and date of the TEDx talk? March thirtieth, mm-hmm. which is a Thursday, and it's from five to eight p.m. All right, here in and Tulsa. How do people get tickets? There is a link. Okay that I've posted to all my social medias. There you go. So you should be able to, to find it that way. Shout out to my social media gal, Lydia. Yeah, Lydia. But yeah, she, so that's that's where people can find it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. This has been amazing. Um, I'm sure that people are enlightened, not just to know you, but to know that they can make it. Yeah. Um, pivots are necessary. Absolutely. Change is inevitable. And it's not about what happened. It's about what did, how did you respond to what happened? Mm. And so being able to create a narrative out of uh, all the different things that we face in life and rewrite our own story is just so powerful. Thank you for being an ambassador of that, for helping people navigate these waters. And um, we wish you well in your TEDx. I appreciate Uh, it. We hope to support soon uh, coming up here. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. All right. Follow us on social media. Uh, We are on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at New You Tulsa. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Voices. Visit our website at www.newutulsa.com. That is N E W U Tulsa.com. Follow us on social media at New You Tulsa on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And a special thank you to our producer, Jesse Ulrich. If you're looking for self-improvement, join our free cohorts for personal and professional development opportunities. New You is a way for diverse talent to imagine, discover, and actualize a 2.0 version of yourself. Bring your future into focus. (music) 